Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast and I have my man here, Rich Heller, a conflict coach. Um, he Some people worked, just say I'm a con. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 and he's funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like you, you went to Vassar College, got your BA Hunter social work and you're like a certified meditation coach. Well, practitioner, um, and you help people deviate in that. But you tell me more about what you do. Tell people, the audience, your role. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I really don't think much of credentials. Uh-huh. And yet I have a lot of credentials. But the reason for that is I've met people who are very credentialed, who like their heart is in what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I always like to start from like, why am I in this? Um, So I'm a a quote unquote conflict coach. And what that means is I work with people in high conflict situations in uh, maybe they're having a uh, really conflicted marriage. They've got a dynamic that just keeps going on and on and on. And they're really tired of it. And they know they love each other, but living together is super painful. Or maybe they're getting divorced and one person is really toxic and the other is trying to figure out how to manage that relationship and how to protect their children and mm. still give their children access to their parent because cutting their, your children off from their parent just doesn't really work in life no matter how toxic they are right. or maybe it's corporate conflict and i got into this because basically as a child i love to say don't tell my mother i said this i grew up in armageddon i don't think she's ever heard me say it i grew up in <laughs> that's armageddon a, that's a big word that armageddon dun, dun, dun. The... and the, the deal was that um for my brother and I, if there was only one of us in the house, it was awesome. If my brother and I were in the house, it was okay. We didn't fight all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one of our parents was in the house, it was bad. And if both of our parents was in the house, it was awful. And then on the other end, I grew up as uh, a wealthier kid in a poorer neighborhood. And so I'd go out and I would be a target. So it's like there was just everywhere it was conflict. and. Um, you know, your choices are <clears throat> fight, flight, or play dead. And I tried all of those things uh, throughout my childhood uh, and eventually learned that conflict can be, it doesn't have to be destructive. It mm. can be creative. And that really, actually, the reality is that everything positive in this world has come out of conflict in some form. I don't right. mean like Armageddon-like conflict. Like that's destructive conflict. That's right. just where people get hurt and nothing good is happening. You might learn some lessons and survive, limp away and survive it. But there's, but there is a level of conflict where understanding happens, where people uh, feel each other and compassion and empathy show up. Yeah. And that's what I work with. That's what I work for. Having existed in the other plane, having spent part of my life in high conflict and also spent a period of my life completely avoiding conflict. You know, mm-hmm. what I found is you got to have some if you want right. to grow. I was just thinking about that, like just hearing you talk. I like I hear couples of friends talk about like, oh, you know, like 
if we don't fight, you know, that doesn't mean we're growing. And it's like, well, you know, or people don't want to have conflict. They think if we, if we fight, that means that we're not mean, meant to be together. It's like, well, you need a little bit of like conflict to grow because everybody comes in with their own stuff and then things happen. And it's in, really, I've learned that conflict in relationships are an opportunity to grow, to really look at ourselves. Like, okay, well, what, what is, why am I triggered by this? What is this thing? And most couples yeah. avoid um, dealing with their conflicts and like, especially <laughs> the men that I coach try to sweep it under the rug. And it's like, no, like this is an opportunity for us to grow and learn from this situation. So, uh, and well, I'm really curious of how did you even get into coaching and like really define this niche, um, this niche in coaching? How did you even get into coaching? I was being coached. I, I in my previous incarnation, I ran. I was an entrepreneur for thirty years. Mm-hmm. In my past life, that was three years ago, by the way. My mm-hmm. new life hasn't been that long. I was an entrepreneur for thirty years, and I was super focused on busyness, like the world of business. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, uh, and I'm saying it's busyness. In my morning meditation this morning, there's this big book of business. And I was like, wow, how funny that we call it busyness. Because I spend mm. like so much of my time being busy, busy, busy. May- I was going to make mad money. I was going to be so successful. And I did pretty well. Uh, and I hired this very expensive coach to take me to the next level. Right. And the theory is that if you pay someone, if you pay a lot for something, then you appreciate it more and you're more invested, which I certainly was. But what happened after about nine months? is I realized that I was really freaking miserable mm. in busy, yes. <laughs> you know, that I was disconnected from my family, uh, from my wife who I love and adore, and that the passion that I had originally gotten into my work with was, was missing for the most part, that uh, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And um, at, at that nine month point, I, I had a kind of a spiritual emotional breakdown where Um, I literally lay face down on the floor of my kitchen in my very busy home for about 20 minutes, just begging for help. Like just, oh my God. Just on the floor by yourself? Like, yes, by myself and the house is full. Nobody came into the kitchen. Somehow they sensed that I was having a moment. You know, I was hoping Mm. somebody would come and just pick me up and say, there, there, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Yeah. And, um, while I was there, I had this sense of a... Of a, of a larger presence hmm. um, and you know uh, th- this voice said said to me it's, it's time it's time to let it all go it's time to let it go it's time to follow your heart and uh what had happened in the nine months watching listening to this guy and watching him coach me and i've been around a lot of coaches i, I was like i want to work with people I really, I mean, in a deep and intimate way, I want to make a, a difference in their lives. And in the work that I had been doing, I was in landscape construction and design. Um, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was making the difference that I was called to make. There was like a calling that was missing in my life. Um, you know, and the short story about sort of the spiritual moment is uh, I got much deeper in my relationship with, you know, with my, my higher power. I'm going to keep that really... Um, really to myself because I, I'm, I, I, I don't like it when people tell me about their faith and how I should be doing their thing 
So I'm really cautious about sharing my own beliefs with people. So I'm going to keep that really bland unless you, <laughs> unless you, think, it, unless you think it's relevant. Um, and so uh, I, I, I had this master's in social work that, mm -hmm. that, I, that I had, and I've done a whole bunch of work in that field, worked with alcoholics and addicts for a couple of years, worked with schizophrenics, worked with at-risk youth. Uh, and I was like, you know, it's time to take that that passion that I had in my life that I had set aside to make money to support my children and and live it again. And while I was, I, I made the decision that I was going to sell the business by December 31st. I was not going to be in that work post December 31st. And I took a coaching course with IPEC coaching um, mm -hmm. just to kind of get my feet back in the people business. And that that was how I became a coach. It was like sort of a total leap of faith kind of thing. I said wow. to my coach, I don't know what I'm going to do after this, but I'm, I'm done with this business. I, I, I'm done with this life. It's time mm. for it's time to make a major, major, major change. And uh, what dropped in my lap was the opportunity to coach. And I loved it. I freaking loved it. I loved the the forward thinking of it. I was trained as a therapist originally. So like we'd spend a lot of time talking about people's feelings and their parents and all the things that shape those feelings and, you know, a lot of rolling around in that stuff. But what I loved about coaching was that it was it's forward moving and yeah. that it was about being a cheerleader. And I am an awesome cheerleader. <laughs> and I do really well, you know, so like this is perfect. Uh, and that evolved over time. I found my niche, which was conflict coaching. Right. So, but wait, wait, before you go there, I think like you and like most coaches, what we really live for is that those light bulb aha moments. That's what really turned me on about coaching. When I was doing the therapeutic work, there weren't a lot of aha light bulb moments. But when you're coaching someone, like all of a sudden you give them a distinction and a, like, it's like a door opens in their mind and they go, yeah. oh, it's like the moment I had, like, Oh, I'm freaking yeah. miserable. Oh, there's another, there's another way to live. That was like a light bulb aha, major light bulb aha moment. You know, but when you're working with someone and they have that, it's just like, yes, I really made a difference in somebody's life today by helping them open the door to the next phase of their life, the next stage. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. Yeah, it really is. It's like, for me, I get very moved and like my whole body just like, I don't know, just like kind of like tingles, it opens up, especially when they, when a, 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 a client finally sort of owns up to how they've been acting and, and behaving. Like there was this guy, a potential client that recently that I was talking to and, you know, I kind of pointed out to him that was like, you know, I have to stop you uh, because you're talking around yourself. You're not talking about you. You're talking about your parents, but not how it affected you. And I asked him, I said, what did you make it mean, this relationship of about love with your parents about love? And he said that I don't deserve it. And I was just like, mm. and it like really moved me. And then he said, I forgot, um, he's from a particular culture in Nigeria. And he said, the Nigerian women are dangerous. And I was just like, and, and then he started to see how his actions and behavior made sure that he was not. And he like, it just like, it just kind of spilled out. It was just like a real aha moment for him. He was like, oh my God, like 
now I see why I'm not married at 52 because of these beliefs that I had. And it was yeah. just like, it just like opened up. Like, it, and it was so moving just to hear him say it and not me give it to him. Um, but it was like those moments like that. It's like, yes, yeah, that's it's huge. It. It's huge. And you have this sense like, all right, this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. This is my purpose. Yeah. It's like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. So conflicts. <laughs> so I guess you talked about a little bit, but when when normally couples come to you or do you do it individuals as well? I work with individuals. I work with couples. I work in organizations. Since, yeah. Um, but honestly, my passion because of my own, because I am the child of divorce and because I also got divorced, though I was mm-hmm. never going to do that, right? I was never going to do to my kids what my parents did to, to me. me. <laughs> victim, right? Um, you know, because I, I that's so, so much of my background, my real passion is for helping people who are divorcing to minimize or even uplift their children mm. in the divorce process so that their children can make their divorce an asset, not a liability, kind of, mm. that's kind of my experience, right? Yeah. I, I came out of all this conflict and this really ugly divorce my parents had and much cleaner divorce that I had. Uh, and it's always about how do we make this process? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a transformation, right? Yeah. Life, is about, life is about transformation. Relationships transform no, no matter what. So what is it about this process that it has to be so damaging and so full of negative conflict. Yeah. And my primary focus right now is a, a series of virtual workshops on child resilience. Yeah. Which, resilience is the quality that we, the connections in life, the beliefs that we have, the self-awareness, our sense of, our sense of purpose, which I was just talking about, you know, um, practices, all those things rolled together, make us, make us bounce back make mm. us stronger and they give us the ability to take what looks like a liability and turn it into an asset. Right. Uh, so right now that's like kind of, even though I, I've got 30 years of entrepreneurial experience and I totally get business conflict because I played every angle on that. Mm-hmm. And even though I completely get um, conflicted marriages because I've done that dance also and I'm super trained in it right now, I'm all about this child resilience package. Mm. You know, it's because uh, if I look at myself and my brother, my brother is kind of, um, super smart super smart guy who but who just kind of got stopped in life uh, because he th- he didn't have the same tools that I had uh, and I never really understood the difference until I started to do this research into resilience mm. so what are some of the common <clears throat> mistakes you see couples um, come in with that you like now that you've you know that you've this coach like what are some of the common mistakes that couples come in with so on the marital it, actually it's all the same thread so uh, what, what got me into the marital work, I was working with people in divorce and I realized that the tools that people need to have a co-parenting relationship, a, a relationship to transform their relationship from conflict to, to one that works are the same tools that a couple needs to stay together yeah. <laughs> and transform their relationship. They're like the tools are all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they what they all walk into it with is they've fallen into whether it's actually whether it's in the workplace whether it's in their marriage or whether it's in a divorce people fall into what what we call in the trade a dynamic mm-hmm. right? a dynamic is a, a neutral word for 
they fight like freaking cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they do that is something you mentioned earlier. People have, everyone has their triggers. And two people get together and they just get into this trigger dance. No, I'm going to push your button. And now I'm going to, yeah. you're going to push mine and I'm going to push yours and you're going to push mine. And they know they're being triggered, right? They did, they, usually they've been doing this dance for a year, yeah, yeah. five years, sometimes 20 years. They know it. It's, it's familiar. It's even comfortable. Uh, and and at the same time, they hate it because it's painful and they want intimacy again and they want what that relationship started with, but they don't know how to disengage. They don't know how to pull the wires on those uh, triggers. They don't know how, what to say to the other person to stop that negative conflict. So this is the, sort of the common thread, whether it's in a work environment, mm. whether it's in a marriage or in a divorce, it's about triggers and it's about... Um, beliefs and perspectives that they learned from their parents or Mm -hmm. in school or in their culture that cause them to see things a certain way. And, you know, the way to work through that is to start to remove, you know, like what you talked about, start to identify those beliefs, the limiting beliefs. And also though, a huge part of conflict management is is trigger identification Mm -hmm. and um, diminishing your reaction to the trigger. Like, what are some of the triggers? Because I know for, like, working with some people, um, like, common things, like, especially, <laughs> I had a friend of mine who, who's in their relationship. I, I can definitely see their triggers. How people say, well, you need to, like, the language that comes behind the triggers, like, you need saying things like, you need to, you should do this, you, you know, I, you should do this instead. Like, how do you start to work with a couple to, like, want identify the triggers and then like and start changing the language because most of it is really the language that they use to hurt each other so like how do you start to shift that with the couple they've got to want first they've got to recognize the dynamic themselves so a a, a frame that i use working with couples frequently is a what's a mediation frame so mediation mm-hmm. is uh is actually a way of managing communication mm-hmm. is probably the best way to put it that helps couples to see what their dynamic is and make a decision once they recognize what the dynamic is make a decision about whether they want to continue it so yeah. really until the couple recognizes the dynamic until they see it mm-hmm. oh this is the dynamic and then they make a decision it's not working for me nothing can happen so the first part is that um, in the mediation process, we'll have really mundane stuff like first we're going to create some ground rules. You know, Tom and Janet. Uh, you know, Tom, what's a ground rule you'd like to have? Janet, what's your ground rule you'd like to have? All right, do we? Okay, it's going to be confidential. Great. Mm. Okay, uh, we're not going to interrupt each other, or maybe they don't. Like maybe interrupting right. each other is okay. Totally depends on where they come from. They make the they make the ground rules, and part of that is having deciding who's going to speak first. Sometimes we'll spend 45 minutes just talking about who's going to speak first because the dynamic comes right to the top right mm. there. And and you, at, at some point I will say to them, is there something familiar about this? Mm. And they go, yeah, we do this all the time. And I'll say, all right, so how's this working for you? And they'll go, it sucks. Right. You know? And, you, I, and then at that point, I, there's an opening. I say, yeah. all right, so you, you recognize that dynamic. You know it isn't working. You know, would it be okay? I always ask him permission. Would it be okay if when this comes up, 
I help you notice it so you can decide whether you want to continue it. So you can decide whether you right. want to continue it or not. Like that is the bedrock of the process. And after that, then there's communication tools. Can you give an example of like a couple you work with? And like, because I, for me, I want to just like hear like, what is a dynamic between a specific couple? Like how do you get to that point? Like for me, like what is that dynamic? Like, well, sort of a typical dynamic is one person will be very aggressive and the other one will be will be more passive. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, one per the one part member of the couple will be saying, you're always dropping food on the floor. You get up at two in the morning. <laughs> I, you know, I work so hard to make this house uh, clean and orderly. By the way, I'm, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be a man or a woman saying this, it, like, <laughs> right. it's, it's something like that. And the other person's like, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I need to eat. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's just the way I am. And you know what? If you if you could learn how to talk to me, I might be able to hear you. But you're always pe pecking at me. Mm. You know, you're always pecking and nagging me, and I can't. I just can't receive it. And that'll go on and on. You know, it'll escalate. It'll come out in different ways. But that's that's kind of a very typical dynamic. Is one person is very aggressive about what they're unhappy about, and the other person is just super defended, and they just can't receive it because the way that person is delivering that message yeah. is reminding them of their father their mother you know something from their childhood and they just like they no, i'm not this is not safe i'm not going to let that in and then the, they'll mm. attack them in the same way that they feel attacked they'll attack them in other ways you are they'll say you are so ocd why can't you just <laughs> why can't there be a crumb on the floor <laughs> and it just like it's just bills and bills and bills and that but that can go on about anything it doesn't have to be i'm picking right. something super mundane but it could be about, you know, an interaction in a restaurant. It could be about an argument about the children. What, like, how do you, like, I, that's really good. Like, you, you mentioned it, like, I, you know, how do you deal with a couple, like what you just mentioned, that's a, one's aggressive and one's passive, and how, you know, to get them to shift their way of interaction with the, each other so one can be felt feel like they've been heard like how do they how do you start to pinpoint that, that out a, to each other there's a great question it's a like super super question so once they recognize that they have this dynamic in place the next step is to teach them ways that they can communicate that mm -hmm. feel safer so, so, yeah um This actually comes out, there's a family kind uh, parent education program for people getting divorced that really emphasizes this, that I teach with them as a volunteer. And they, they're really big on what's called I sentences. Mm -hmm. So an I sentence starts out, I feel mad, glad, sad, afraid, or any of the 5,000 derivatives of those four basic feelings. Yeah. I feel frustrated when I come out and find crumbs on the floor because I'm really committed to having a clean house with no rodents in it. <laughs> so that's really different than, you know, you're always dropping stuff on the floor and it's making me so angry. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the first sentence is, I feel, so it's responsible uh, when I find this because, and this is why. And the second one is, the second one is you're trashing my house and you're making me feel a certain way. Not only does that, is there blame in that, but you actually give away your personal power to the other person. Right. The first is a statement of responsibility. 
it's basically saying I feel triggered. Yeah. And the reason why I feel triggered is I'm seeing this. It's not saying that this is wrong, good or bad, but and then the reason why this is a trigger. Like they may live in mm -hmm. the most rodent-free city in the world, but it's still a trigger for them. So, um it's it's communicating from an I sense is a, a stance of responsibility and accountability and it's self-empowering. Right. And then the other side is responsible listening. Yes. Or, or, uh, <laughs> Where, you know, where we're taught in coaching to reflect back what people say in mediation, they call it looping. So that is the other person would is then it would say, what I heard you say is that you're really concerned about rodents and it's really frustrating when there's food on the floor. And so, so it's, it's just, it's noticing a fact and a feeling. Yeah. So instead of so, and that that's totally different than you're freaking nagging me all the time, and it's driving me crazy. Yeah. It's such a really good point. Like, um, and I'm curious. Like, I'm curious to get your thought on this because I, I always say this all the time, and like, I ha I haven't really found like studies about this, but you know, changing the you statement to I, like, why is important? Why is the you statement so triggering? Like, why? Uh, we why do we need to shift that 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 language from you to I? Well, it, number one, when we start when we're blaming other people, mm -hmm. they we're we're putting a lot of responsibility on them right. for how we feel. Yes, but also number two, when we're blame when when it's about when it's all about the other person, there's no accountability for the fact that I'm feeling right. it. Right, and and like and as I said, it's it's disempowering when I say. Uh, when I say Jimmy, you make me feel. Actually, it can be a positive. Jimmy, you make me feel so amazing. You know, it's still not owning my own power. It's still giving right. you power over me. I mean, I think like in so many loving relationships, we go, oh, you know, you you make me feel so da 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 da. And it, actually, I don't I don't think that's a positive either. You know, right. I, think, I, I think it would be safer to say, you know, when I'm with you, I feel so right. Because you're being responsible for your own your own feelings. It's like I've learned that you can make me feel any way. It's I I'm responsible for my my own happiness, my own feelings. I tried to explain it to somebody one day. They had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, "Well, you can't make me feel this way by you saying that. I I'm not triggered. So you, therefore, you can't make me feel this way unless." If I am triggered, there's something about me that's believed that it's true what you're saying. And that's the only reason why I would be triggered. Um, and I think the reason why we feel triggered yeah. is we feel that we're disempowered and yes. we're victims. We're disempowered yeah. and we're victims. Mm -hmm. uh, and But even in a positive frame, uh, you know, when people are in love and they get into that space <laughs> of, oh, she makes me, he makes me feel so da-da-da-da, that's still the same thing. It's still yeah. disempowerment. It's uh, even even though it feels better, um, it's still disempowering. So it's super important in terms of trigger management. It's super important to get that the only thing we can manage is between our own ears. Number one, and number two, <laughs> the only person who's responsible for what goes on between our own ears is ourselves. That's not to say that stuff doesn't happen. That's right. not to say that people aren't vindic vindictive or even evil sometimes. Yeah. But it's how how we manage it and react. It has everything to do with whether is what resilience is about to some mm -hmm. extent. If when we're victims, we, we have no power and there's no bouncing back. Right. But when we're personally empowered, no matter what happens, we can move through to the next thing. Right. 
And you you mentioned Lupin, which I love, and I I, I have I call it recreation, uh, but both are the same things. How do you even explain that to couples? about looping, like listening to what they actually said without adding or taking away from the conversation or what's happening. And then like getting the emotion or commitment behind what they're saying. Like, is that, uh, is that tricky when you start to like explain that to couples to like really listen to what they're saying? Because I agree with you, like listening is so key to like really resolving conflict and really getting the commitment. Like, oh, I can see like by me doing this this is upsetting you. This is like not healthy for the environment, like the whole crumbs on the, on the, on the floor thing. Uh, but how do you start to in, in, have couples engage in that kind of conversation, in that kind of exercise? By the way, the crumbs on the floor thing was real. Uh, I'm sure. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't make, I didn't make that up. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> right, because because it really, it doesn't take, it really doesn't take much. If you have right. a dynamic, it doesn't take much to get it going. So, um, you know, it took me a while to really get what reflective uh, listening or committed listening or looping is about. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes anyone a while. And I think it's because what my personal experience was that uh, I, I, when I first started practicing it, I was somewhat defended. Mm. Really? You know, like I, I was, you know, I, I, I was, I felt like, is this about me? Is this about me? Is this about right. me? And the, the ultimate expression of looping or reflecting back what another person is saying is getting you out of it, getting you out of it. Right. Like right. being a good coach, you get you out of it. Out of it, yeah. Um, or you notice you, but you is not in the way. It's not like you don't exist. Right. And so what that means is when somebody, if somebody says something to, to me, that when my wife says something to me that that is potentially triggering it's about noticing the trigger but still seeing through her eyes mm-hmm. so my, when my wife what is something she really had a moment with me about uh when my <laughs> wife says to me this is actually not unusual she says to me that dripping faucet is driving me crazy we really should get someone to fix it what i hear is why haven't you fixed the faucet? (laughs) But, but, you know, I've done enough of this work to this point where I notice that a part of me has that reaction. I go, okay, I get it. Like there's a part of me that feels very responsible. And I can say to her instead, you know what, Catherine, is her name Catherine? I hear that that dripping faucet is a source of a lot of frustration for you and you'd really like it fixed. She says, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Right? Now, if I said to her, Catherine, what I hear is that you think I'm a lazy bum and I should have fixed the faucet. She'd go, no, that wasn't really it. Though it would be right. good if you fixed the faucet. Yeah. You know, it's like, so it's interesting. Like there's there's my trigger, you know, which is which comes from my childhood. And then there's what she's really saying. Yeah. And it's about separating those two things. And the way to that is a study show is um regular mindfulness practice regular meditation practice and mm. or regular prayer practice they all three things uh th- that reaction of oh my god i'm being attacked for not fixing the faucet ah alert yeah. alert alert that's uh, you know what, what we call an amygdala hijack the amygdala is like the survival part of your brain it's deep deep in there mm-hmm. on top of your spine and it says danger 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 you know and and it has you react quickly without thinking but when you have uh, regular practices in your life mindfulness prayer or meditation 
you learn to notice when your amygdala is hijacked or triggered, take a second and you actually, because you're observing it, that must mean you're in another part of your brain. Right. When you're not observing it, when you're just experiencing it raw, you're deep in that experience and there is no getting around it. You just got to say, I'm having an experience, I'm going to pause. But when you have a certain level of practices in your life that where you start to identify that, you can you can pull out of it faster and faster. Right. And like, so that experience that I just described to you, that's like, like I spent 30 years doing a lot of meditation and a lot of prayer and a lot of personal work. So now I now I have that, but that wasn't always true for us. <laughs> like 20 years ago, much less true than it is today. I really, it's like it's funny, like you said that. Like my next like segue is to like you know. Um, Will Smith had said this thing on um, the Red Table, which is Jada Pickett's show, his wife's show. Like, mm-hmm. one of the what you, what you just exactly just said, like how uh, w- when you have that kind of practice, you he said he learned that when he's feeling triggered in the relationship or oh, by something, he said, and I'm he's really pissed off. He says, "I'm really pissed off at you right now, and I can't have a conversation with you." And what his point is saying, never have a conversation when you're triggered of feeling like heated. Is that something that important that you tell your clients? Well, you know, unless you're like uh, in Afghanistan and have a machine gun in your hand and you're under <laughs> fire. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's true. I mean, like the, really that um, that amygdala reaction, that's a, that's a real life survival. Like my life is threatened reaction. Right. And the fact is that most of us are not experiencing that in the United States today, at least not on a regular basis. So yeah, uh, you know, like it's it's a necessary survival tool, but it's about getting context for it. And right. Because we we're not living under that that those kind of situations anymore. Our amygdala is still super busy, and I love that. Um, you know, I think the first step is yeah, saying, ah, "I'm so pissed off. You just got to give me a minute." I used to have a lot of road rage. I used to get really angry at people on the road and I realized that the anger was super unhealthy. Like I started reading, like resent, holding a resentment and living with that level of anger, mm. you're triggered all the time. And so the first thing I did was I got a bracelet with peace signs on it and I put it on my right hand because that's the hand that I used to gesture to people with. <laughs> I, so I put it on my right hand as a commitment. I'm doing this meditation practice. And so somebody would cut me off and that hand would start to come up and I'd see that bracelet and I'd go like this mm. instead of like this. <laughs> you know, so That's a good at, idea. at that point, that was the best I could do with it. You know, the best I could do with it is, all right, I'm having the damn feeling, but I'm going to show the world something else. Mm. You know, and, and then over time, um, it evolves into, all right, I'm having the feeling, but I, I can have the feeling and I can I can live somewhere else in myself with it at the same time. Right. At the hmm. same time. Because the truth is that feeling like a victim, being angry, uh, you know, having that intellectual desire to win and not really caring if anyone else does, high empathy for other people mm-hmm. and not really worrying about what you get, win-win where everybody wins or the next level where you have that sense of flow in your life and everything's just come together and then that final level where you just feel totally connected to everything and blissed mm. out all of those things exist in us at the same time right it's just a matter of making enough space between our ears so that we can start to choose where do i want to hang out today all right mm. i may have that feeling but i'm not going to hang out in that feeling and it's so interesting like it's like it's like a split second when you you know um you have to choose love or fear basically and and it's like and I guess, you know, as for me as a coach, like, I, it's like, you know, I used to 
before I started doing this work, be like triggered by things and be like F you too as well, like that. And then like now it's like I'm having sort of better internal conversations. Like, okay, is this really worth it that like be triggered right now to get pissed off by now to like do to have this reaction to this person and set them off, sort of have this sort of ripple effect. And I'm like, like what what benefits am I getting out of like responding to this person who's probably having a bad day mm-hmm. or even who or, or who's, you know, like, am I, like, I have one of my best friends. Like, she says some things to me that, like, she says the total opposite of what I'm talking about. And it always triggers me. And I always have to, like, pause and be like, no, that's not what I, like, <laughs> and she knows what I'm doing. And I'm like, because before I'd be like, you're not paying attention. Like, just immediately, like, cut her off. I had to learn to manage my own emotional triggers around some conversations, be like, like I have to take a pause moment and then just respond, just answer the question and not make some assumption that like she might be busy. Sometimes she's always multitasking, which, you know, also like sometimes triggers me too, but I have to like, okay, that's just where she is. Not, I can't make it meaning anything about me. So I'm curious too, like what other, other than like I'm a pause and talk to you later, like what other sort of techniques do you have couples do so they can like, not immediately react. Well, the the first step is recognizing that they're reacting mm-hmm. yeah. and that the other person isn't at fault. Right. Mm-hmm. They may yeah. be something they're doing may be triggering them or I'm I have hesit, hesitant to use the word causal because mm-hmm. causal again sounds like they're responsible. The first step like I said is recognizing that it's happening. Yeah. But the second step is uh, being willing to disengage from that when it comes up. Yeah. Being willing to disengage from it because um, that story I told you, uh, that couple, they did, they're, they've been doing really well, but they do flare back up into their stuff from time to time. And I, I think it's because certain, when you have a pattern in your life, they've been married a long time. When mm-hmm. you have a pattern in your life for a long time, it's really easy to slip back into it. Yeah. It's just a pattern in your life. Um, I think like what we, what not, none of us get is that it isn't just emotional. Yeah. It's, it's part of our, our neural system, mm-hmm. our behaviors and our habits are part of the, our brain. Like And so what happens is when we get triggered, we have this moment of, all right, am I going to dive down this neural pathway <laughs> in my brain or am I going to forge a new one? And so that's what makes it so freaking hard is when we've been diving down a neural pathway for 30 years, 50 years, 60 Mm -hmm. years, it's super familiar, it's fast, we know it well, it's like a toboggan ride, you know, with with walls, and we know how it's going to end, right? Even though we don't always like the ending, we know how it's going to end, but we know in the end we're going to feel self-righteous anger, even though it's going to be miserable. And self-righteousness, you know, would you rather be right or happy? Often people would rather be right. Um, but uh, like just seeing that, like, I think that Will Smith story is great because he, 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 it's not like he recognizes it and all of a sudden he's some enlightened being who can just jump out of his trigger. His reaction is I'm freaking pissed off and I need a moment. I'm going outside. Right. And so what he's doing is he's literally forming a new neural pathway by doing that. And then the next step when he goes outside is all right, now I'm here. What the, 
am I going to do now? Right. Well, let's, th- or maybe I'm going to think about the trigger. Maybe I'm going to think about my, go to my happy place. I mean, you know, everyone figures out how to make that new neural pathway and it's, and it's work and it's work like meditation and prayer and mindfulness are helpful. Yeah. But deciding what you're going to do or how you're going to manage that trigger is the next step. And the sort of the, the life hack for any form of unhappiness is focus on the other yeah. person. It's yeah. Focus on the other person in a way that uh, with complete empathy and with no regard for yourself. That's yeah. the life hack. So, you know, what they, in, when I worked in uh, the alcoholism and addictions field, what we used to tell people is if you want to drink, go help another alcoholic. Mm. Yeah, I like, and the only motivation being if you help that alcoholic, maybe you'll feel better. That was your only motivation in it. So that, like that's, it's a life hack that works again and again and again and again. So if you can't help your partner who you, who's triggering you, maybe you can go help someone else. But there's something about jumping to that energy level of, all right, I'm just going to give. I'm just mm. going to help another person that gets you out of, I can't believe they did that to me and I'm so mad at them. <laughs> you know, right. wow. um, it, it, it just energetically, it takes you, if you think about Human beings, we we operate on seven basic energy levels. So I've been told. <laughs> um, and actually, this is my experience. So level one is, oh, life sucks. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm such a victim. And in in some ways, it's a very safe place. It's someplace when someone dies, who's important to us, hanging out in level one is important. It's called grieving. Super important. You know, having that feeling. It's we actually do healing there. But if we live there, it's not a good thing. Like that's depression. Level two is anger. Um, And if it's one and two together, it might be blame. Like, oh, you did this to me, so I'm gonna get you. But now the good news about anger is we can get stuff done in the world with anger. The bad news is everybody feels like we're pissing on them and they don't wanna hang out with us. Right. Like angry bosses. Angry bosses, they keep their business going, they make money, but they're they're turning over employees all the time. Level three is, all right, level one and level two aren't work for me. I want to win. If Jimmy wins, that's okay. But I need to win whether Jimmy wins or not. So I'm going to win. There's more, it's super intellectual. Um, it's planning. It's justification. Level four is what we were just talking about, is where I, I'm empath, high empathy for others. I'm going to help other mm-hmm. people. I, I don't have to receive anything in return, but the, the experience of, of that aha moment that my client has. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. five, six, and seven. Five is win-win. Six is that sense of flow everything's working together and seven is sort of like that uh, jesus buddha muhammad whatever you want whatever whoever whoever your your man is or woman you know um it's that sense of connection to the universe Mm -hmm. you know to a higher power or whatever you want to call the the force but that sense that everything is connected and interdependent at the Mm -hmm. most basic level everything is connected and interdependent and whatever else you want to interpret that as is up to you yeah you know we can choose to be anywhere on that scale but it's work it's yeah. work, you know. You, it's it's work unhooking ourselves from being victim. It's work from unhooking ourselves from being uh, angry, which is highly toxic. Like the studies show that if we hang out in resentment and anger, you're much more prone to get cancer and physical illness. I mean, it's 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 bad. It's a you know, forgiveness is about going. Is you got to forgive. You got to go up to level four. You have to start seeing through other people's eyes. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful and really beautiful and, ha- and really well, you know. Structured. I wish I could say I made it up, but it, it's uh, <laughs> it, it comes out of this book by a guy named Bruce D. Schneider, who founded my uh, coaching training 
I read the book and I was just like, oh, I get this. And what I liked about it is it sort of corresponds to the seven chakras in our body. Too. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I was thinking about that. It ties together with other practices and beliefs. Uh, I, I, anything that's integrative is, uh, is kind of cool to me. Yeah, so that's going back to what we say, just have the willingness to do the work to get to those places and, and you choose those, choose those moments, yeah. Like, this is what we're freaking here for. Yeah. Right, I mean, I think, you know, it goes back to what, where we started, right? What was I doing? I was in busyness. Yes. <laughs> right? and, and I was not growing or I wasn't growing much. And I was often very angry and frustrated and often driving, driving, driving. So it's no wonder I was freaking miserable. Yeah. And I think that many people have this experience of life. You know, we think that the world, the things of the world, and by the world, I mean um, our, our media and our culture are what's important. And that's not really what's important. That's right. just a freaking game we made up so that yeah. we would all eat. Right. We made up this game called uh, called. Uh, the economy and business and rules so that we would all have a way that we could all eat and cooperate together. The real work is how do I learn to live in a way that taps all my energy levels? Because being a victim of being angry are not bad. You just don't want to hang out there much. How do I tap all of my energy levels? How do I share all of who I am? How do yeah. I how do I get in touch with my uniqueness uh, mm. and and get that who I am is completely completely unique and i have a, a therefore a complete unique purpose in the world that nobody else has yes, yeah. i make a difference that nobody else can make because i am and appreciate and get what amazing creations we are and yeah. make a difference in each other's lives that's what we're here for and right but so often we can get tied up in there's a crumb on the floor or you're always nagging me or <laughs> why aren't i making more money or you know and it's like that's that's fluff yeah that's fluff yeah. Sorry, I got a little passionate there. Yeah, I know. It's all it's all good. It's all beautiful. Um, and you, but you, you have another passion. You're working on this program. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned it before. The the it's called Divorce Proof Your Kids. And uh, it's funny. I've gotten pushback from some of the people who who are influencers influencers in the divorce industry. They they think it should be called Build Resilience in Your Child. You know, uh, or for, you know, a workshop for divorcing parents. That's a real. That's a really straight. Rendition of it, uh, but like I said, what what makes it resonate for me is why am I a successful, viable human being, and my brother, you know, is sort of in this very seems to appears to me anyway, mm -hmm. uh, like to be in a sort of a stuck place in life and having difficulty moving forward. Uh, and the only difference I can come up with is that I went to a school that emphasized creativity. I went to a school that emphasized connection. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, role models in my life who really nurtured me and fed into me. Um, I was exposed to a wide variety of spiritual influences from which I, I mean beliefs, I don't mean influences, beliefs from which I could, I could choose from and which resonated with me. Um, I was introduced to physical practices, self practices, care practices, things that, a lot, many things which he either didn't have the opportunity to have or discarded. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'm living this life where I'm like jacked and I'm, I love my life and and I, I wish the same for him. Mm. So, you know, I, I, want, I want other people's children in the divorce process to have this. Actually, here's the real dope, forget my brother. The straight dope is it took me like 30 years mm. to get to the place where I felt like, oh my God, you know, all of who I am is amazing. <laughs> it took me 30 years to get to that place instead of, oh, 
my dad sucks, my mom sucks, yeah. oh, my kids are a pain in the ass, oh, we're, you know, to get from that place to, oh my God, life is so amazingly vibrant. Um, and it took me 30 years to get to that place. And I want kids whose parents are getting divorced to get there in like a year, mm. you know, or two years or five years instead of 30 years. Instead of losing, or losing is really probably a victim perspective, instead of working through it for 30 years, they could be making a difference in the world like at 12, 15, 18, 20, or whatever yeah. age, you know, uh, instead of much later in life or instead of getting stuck in busyness. Mm. So um, what is it? And the, the last piece I want to put on there is that that first year post-divorce is the high risk year for these mm. kids, no matter what age they are, like 21 to six. You know, that year is the year where they're most likely to have low self-esteem, mm. um, to be sexually promiscuous. And I don't, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I mean, to have sexual relations that they don't feel good about themselves in, mm. is what I mean when I say that, whatever that means to, to, the, to another person. I don't mean from like a moralistic, oh, you're very promiscuous kind of yeah. thing. You know, but it's about feeling good in the relationship. When you're having sex, you feel good about what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, um, which I, by the way, I've had plenty of experiences where I didn't feel that way. Or to be sexually abused or to have drug addiction or suicidal mm. ideation, to be even physically ill or have some form of mental illness. That first year is where that stuff can show up. And wow. I went through literally every one of those things I just wow. mentioned. I went through every one of them in my life. And wow. I don't... Like why, I don't see any reason for that. Why should a kid have to go through that? Yeah. So, well, I had no idea that that even was the sort of statistics around divorce. So like, what are some of the, the things that somebody should be expecting to like, or it's like both kids and parents are within the program, correct? No, actually, great question. Um, the program is for the parents, and mm -hmm. the first half of the program is to help the parents understand, well, they, the first part is to help them unhook. Very often, parents who are getting divorced have a, are being triggered by the other parent. Right. So the first half of the course helps them to identify those triggers and unhook, and we talk about mindfulness, meditation, prayer, we talk mm -hmm. about you know, just the conversation you and I have, we talk, we talk about, forget, they go through a forgiveness exercise, uh, and then they go through a um, sort of, all right, what do you want your life to be in the next five years or 10 years? And what I'm finding is if they're, if they're having trouble with the forgiveness exercise, they're having trouble letting go, usually they have trouble projecting into the future because they're so, their energy, their so, emotions so, yeah, so so yeah. and she's such a, or he's such a, mm. and they can't think about who am I going to be without them. Uh, and then the second half of the course, and that, by the way, that's all rock solid personal resilience stuff. Mm. I mean, and then the second half of the course is, all right, how can you take what you learned in the first half of the course and start to teach your children this? How do you teach, you know, what are ways that you can make your children aware of their uniqueness, of their strengths, of who they might become? What are ways that you can make your children aware of their family connections, their connections to other people in their family who have been successful, other people who have been, uh, who have been through really trying times and come out ahead. Yeah. What are ways that, what are traditions you can build in your family that emphasize the, the strengths of the family? What are connections you can help your children make to peers, to role models that help them to move forward in their life? Uh, you know, what are you teaching your children about goal setting? What are you teaching your children about gratitude? Mm. What are you teaching your children? And yeah. how, can you, how can you teach them about gratitude? How can you teach them about forgiveness? 
Uh, and there's an exercise in there that helps them and their children let go of, uh, but honor the mm. marriage that was before the divorce. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times in divorce, what happens is the parents are like, I made a huge mistake. I should never have married Jimmy. You know, that was a total <laughs> mistake. And I, you know what, we're, you know what kids, we are not going to talk about that time. We're only going to talk about, it's going to be year zero for, this is going to be year zero for us. We're going to start over. Well, that totally invalidates their whole childhood experience. Mm. And it also is a way of saying, oh, what a mistake I made instead of maybe there was something good. Maybe mm. my relationship with Jimmy started out on the right foot and maybe we just grew in separate directions. You know, I was like, instead of invalidating the whole thing, how do you honor what was good and strong and keep that in the forefront? Because the children, yeah. the children, what's strong and good in them comes out of what was strong and yeah. good in that marriage. Yes. What's strong and good in them comes out of what's strong and good in Jimmy, what's strong and good in the other person. Yeah. And it's often sometimes, like what you said, they're so hooked, they're so wrapped up in the hooking that they forget about the strength that they have given to their children. And and it's just so critical to really just get, to really refocus or reframe, like what you said, to like the resilience, the, the love, the characteristics that, you know, as a parent that we have given to our kids, because that's that's right now, that's really important, not this, this whole other things. And my parents, for all their mistakes, I have to give them honor. Um, mm. a, a good deal of my resilience didn't just come from the going to a school that taught me those things and all that other stuff. You know, my mother has some amazing, amazing qualities mm. that are part of who I am. And my father has some incredible characteristics that are part of who I am. And each one of them, after the divorce, took time and sowed seeds of strength into me. Mm. Even with all the other stuff they had going on, even with them being angry with each other for 20 years after they got divorced, they still managed to sow seeds of strength into me. Um, and wow. so, you know, so that's why it's focused on the parents, by the way. Wow. That's I, like, I think the mistake we make is, well, we're going to outsource our parenting. <laughs> Let's send my kids to Rich Heller and he will teach them how to be resilient. That's no. not what resilience is about. Rich Heller might be able to teach them something about resilience, but real resilience comes from that relationship with your parents, parents. and from the mm -hmm. seeds they sow into us. And so, right, when is your program expected to, to hit the stores or hit the law? Yeah, the so I'm, I'm literally finishing uh, the, the trial group or the beta group or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. Uh, like the, this was the kind of like the, oh, how do we do this group? And, you know, mm -hmm. they, 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 <laughs> they came in at a really low price, understanding that they were actually helping me to evolve the course. And so, you know, they. I had two groups, one in the, and it was, it's like, it's like making pancakes. The first group, the pancake isn't as good as the second group. You know, the second mm. group is getting much better content. Yeah. So, but now having run these two groups, one, one week ahead of the other, uh, I have a much tighter program. And so I'm launching Divorce Proof 2.0 in the first week of March. Okay, awesome. And then uh, when does it come up again? Uh, Divorce Point 3.0, is going to be, I'm looking at my calendar here, is mid-May. And Divorce Proof 4.0 will maybe in July, but it's that's a big holiday month. A lot of people go on vacation. I'm not sure that's the, I'm not sure July and August are, for families is a great time to do virtual workshops because they're do, they're vacating with their kids. And how long is and how long is the workshop or the program? It's a seven-week virtual workshop. Really okay. important to say that because um, divorcing parents have like zero time. Mm, yeah, uh, I mean, it's like they're they're working, they're raising their kids, and they're getting divorced, and they're like you know pulling their head out of wherever it is. 
Um, so it's a virtual workshop that spans seven weeks, and it starts okay. out. It starts out with a one-to-one coaching session. Then there are two group workshops, virtual group workshops, where we're doing exactly what you and I are doing right now. Only there, there's a structure that each workshop follows. Then there's another one-to-one. Um, then there's two more group workshops and a final one-to-one. And there's tons of video content and educational pieces that they get in between. So those workshops are really where we digest the video content. Um, and we're, uh, you know, I didn't really get that. Tell me, explain this better or whatever happens. Mm. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge value because what the course, the 2.0 course value is, uh, I, I think I'm charging people what I charge, what I would charge for the three coaching sessions. Mm. They're getting the three coaching sessions plus all the educational content, plus the four uh, group workshops, plus the, you know, having a, they, they, the parents support each other through this. It's a support group. Um, you, you know, okay. they'll be on a Facebook page or they'll do it through WhatsApp. It's their choice, how they want to do it. Uh, it's huge value. Okay. Plus the first group, I made all the mistakes on already. So now I know how to make divorce proof pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you being here. I mean, well, I couldn't believe how fast the time went just having conversations with you. It's been really yeah, great. Yeah, well, when people like each other, that happens. And I love talking I, I, to you, Jimmy. I love hanging out with you. I, yeah, me too. I feel like we're kindred spirits. You know, I know. In, we work in these different areas, but we totally vibe on each other. It's so cool. Right. And it's like, I'm like, whoa, it's, <laughs> it's been almost an hour. Oh, but it's so great. Like so much value. Thank you for bringing so much value. And before we go, I just want to, I, you know, always ask, you know, these specific questions before I, you know, before we exit. So you ready for these speed questions? I'm ready. Okay. What does a life of love mean to you? What does a life of love mean to me? <laughs> um, I believe that love is the is the ultimate power in the universe. Mm. I mean, love is the ultimate power in the universe. The the greatest shifts and changes happen through the power of love. And I believe that love, uh, this, there's a saying that God is love. Mm. That is true in my heart today that, that, and so when we are loving ourselves or we are loving one another, we are, it is a divine, love is a, an expression of divinity and we are acknowledging mm. the divinity in one another when we love. Wow. And I know I had two, um, another specific couple. So when you were a child, what did you, when you were a child, what did you wish that your parents would have taught you during their divorce that you've learned now? Ah. Uh. I wish that my parents had really learned to communicate with one another and taught me more about positive communication at that time in my mm. life. Um, and uh, it, it, it took them so long mm. to, to learn how to, to communicate positively. Um, and one of the things I'm wrestling with in my life today, and it comes up in my, in my personal meditation and prayer time, is uh, how do I stay focused on po on the positive about people and not slip into uh, gossip. And, mm. uh, you know, it's sort of that cheap, I'm going to make myself feel better by looking at somebody else's defects. Yeah. And, and the joke is that we can't recognize in some something in someone else unless it's inside of ourselves. So what am I doing really? You know, when I do that, I'm bringing, it's, uh, it's like I'm turning away from 
my own love, my own divinity when I do that. So I wish that that they had had more of that and taught me more of that. Wow, that's that's huge. Wow. Um, yeah, it brought up a lot of that brought up a lot of feelings. Thanks a lot, well, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, seriously, thank you. Seriously, You're welcome. Um, and what does a juicy love life looks like to you? Ah, I love that word, juicy love life. <laughs> uh, I do. I, I love that so so much more than rich in relationship. I, like, I wish. <laughs> I want to be, I want to change the name of my company to juicy relationship. Um, that's what does it look like? A juicy relationship is where I bring all of who I am and they bring all of who they are to the relationship. Mm. And we dance and play and take joy in each other's amazingness. Together. Yes. And though let's, that's so super positive. Let's be real also. A juicy relationship also is when we get into the weeds together, that there's even joy in that, knowing that we have a shared purpose. Um, I'm avoiding a, there's a, there's a, I dare, I, or agreement or contract, or some people would call it a covenant, that there's something higher that we have committed to as individuals. And so even when we're in the weeds, we know that's part of getting to this shared mm. vision, for, vision for our lives, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so that's juicy. Even the, even conflict is juicy. Uh, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're, when it's, when it's at the right level and when there's recognition that, all right, mm. you know, we're having a conflict and out of it is going to emerge something even better and more beautiful. Mm. That's so that, beautiful. That is juicy. Yes. And, mean, and you know, good food and sex and all that. <laughs> that is I don't want. I don't want to discount that. Right. <laughs> That's, you know, but, but I'm but I'm supposed to be the spiritual dude, so. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but really, that stuff is supposed to be expressions of spirituality, also. Right, exactly. I, I think actually that let's let's just hit that. You know, that's also you know a really juicy in a really juicy relationship, intimacy, whether it's emotional or physical, is an expression of of um, love and reverence for one another, and and excitement, and yeah. there's a youthfulness that comes no matter what age you are. There's sort of a youthfulness that comes out of it that discounts what your you know what your body thinks. And it's it's amazing. Yeah. But oh. when it's but when it's just uh, when it's just busyness, all right, we're just gonna do this. You know? Mm, no. it, it's it's not juicy. No, it's not. And last question, where can people find you online? Uh richinrelationship.com. And I would even say if they want to text me my or call me, my number is nine one seven. Three zero nine nine zero four five. You know, and uh, you know, I was hesitant for a second there, and then I remembered that Google's got all kinds of tools for filtering the crazies out. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I, the, the crazies for me are like, we're calling you about your college loan, which I haven't had in forty years. It's like those are the crazies now. So, I yeah, figure oh, if people want to reach out to me directly, either through my website or through a, the telephone, that's fine. Okay, and also. Right. Rich at richinrelationship.com is my email. Okay, <clears throat> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich. Um, I learned so much from you and just got a great sense of like what you do and just, yeah, like the value that you bring. And I mean, just there needs to be more of you in the world 
<laughs> damn couple. More of everybody in the world. More, yeah. <laughs> um, and thank and you. And the for more your- the more expressive uh, we are, uh, you know, as individuals, the the juicier it's gonna be. Right. <laughs> uh, thank you again for being here. Thank you. All Have right. a great day. All right. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.